0: Lock
1: and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Day Show. Boy, do we have a show lined up for you today. Greetings and welcome. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. Todd Erzin is here with me, as is Aaron McIntyre. If you'd like to join us, we always love to know what you think about what we think. And I don't know what's going on lately We we have gone global. I mean, the amount of international mail I'm getting has ticked up quite a bit. Now, admittedly, it wasn't all that much to begin with. So when you start getting like some of it, it looks a lot uh, more prevalent than it probably is. But we're, I mean, New Zealand, Australia, France... Um, we're we're getting uh, a, a lot more international mail than we ever used to. Look
0: at you, the ugly
1: American going worldwide. And I've done that by still preferring Taco Bell to actual Mexican food. It's amazing, really. Uh, but let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com. Uh, that's a D-E-A-C-E. I think what's happening is there's some people that missed being the ugly Australian, that missed being the ugly Frenchman, the ugly New Zealander, and they kind of want to have their own um, curmudgeonly uh, national identity back. You know what I'm saying? And they're seeing a bit of a kindred spirit. Steve at stevedays.com is how you can email us. Uh, like us on Facebook, or if you're looking for places that don't censor us, go to MeWe, Parlor and Gab. You can also uh, get uh, free clips of the program at Rumble dot com slash Steve day Show and then follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show and don't forget the last name is D E A C E. We've got a lot going on here on the program today. If, if you are watching this later, right, you're off of work. You just tuned in to the archived uh, video show on Blaze TV, or you're listening to the podcast version uh, later on during the day. I, let me give you a public service announcement before we get into today's program, okay? And and it's not just an unclever segue to one of our partners here on the program, but if you have never decided whether or not you could use uh, a glass of high-quality wine to wind down, I got a note from one of our, our colleagues here at Blaze TV, and she said to me that, uh Uh, She showed me a a conversation her and her husband were having about my show. And she's like, I I love it, but I can only, it gets my blood pressure up. I'm not sure it's good for the baby. So there are times I just have to take a break from it. Okay. Um, if, If you're not, if you've never given our friends at Patriot Wine a shot, after today and what you're about to see and what we'll be discussing here on the program, This is going to make a real strong argument for a glass of wine to wind down at the end of a strenuous day or a strenuous show. All right. Uh, And that's where our friends at Patriot Wine come in. They've got some of the best red wine in the world grown with uh, Malbec grapes at 9000 feet down in Argentina. Uh, They taste great. 90 percent less sugar, fewer chemicals and additives as well loaded with uh, that uh, heart health and nutrient resveratrol loaded with that. And, and should I mention these things, uh, these wines taste great too. All of us have tried our share and enjoyed them quite a bit. If you want to give it a shot right now, it is barbecue season. Red wine goes great with red meat. Uh, 50% off their best Malbecs as well as 50% off the shipping. So both 50% off their best Malbecs and shipping. When you go to patriotwine 2021.com again, that is is 2021.com. All right, next hour of the show, I've I've decided, and I made this decision really in the last few weeks, which is why we've taken on questions about eschatology and questions about God's sovereignty and election. I've decided that, one, I think we all here, and when I say we, I'm talking about the those of us here that are doing the show and those of you on the other end of the camera or your uh, device listening or watching it, okay, that, that we here, this, uh, this this community on the program, have enough trust with one another that I thought we could maybe go a little bit deeper on some of these things. So I've entertained more of these topics along those lines, right? And we're going to do that uh, with a question we will tackle coming up uh, for Theology Thursday next hour. But the other reason, too, is because um, of the signs of the times, how serious this cultural decline seems to be picking up speed. And on any given day. Who knows if, if we're the ones that aren't on these platforms anymore. That you can get us to or get us through uh, via social media, right? There, there's just no way of knowing that. We, we darn near got banned forever off of YouTube recently, right? They, mm-hmm. They've ended up taking one of the strikes away, but yep. I still will not promote that channel. And so we urge you to go to rumble.com slash Steve Day show instead. I can't even tell you how many times Facebook has demonetized my page or demonetized other pages because of me for that matter. You know, oddly enough, Twitter seems to be the place that provides the most opportunity for a free exchange of ideas point of order i've been banned twice but i was just going to say that's why i looked at you (laughs) but todd's been banned twice what's my david french (laughs) yes (laughs) okay so uh, i just think um given the depths of the depravity that we are up against right now and how urgent i think the time in which we live is um on top of the fact that i think we have enough trust and rapport built up with most of our 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 listener family here that i think we can go deeper on some of these topics so we will do that with theology thursday coming up uh, a little bit later on in the program Uh, after the first 90 minutes of this show you're going to be begging probably for three non-political questions and a break i would guess because we're going to get into some heavy subject matter before then uh our friend julie kelly from american greatness will return with another update on the insurrection that wasn't. And I'm going to warn you, that ain't going to be good for your blood pressure either, that interview, okay? We haven't even done it yet, but just following her work the last few weeks, I know where that one's going to trend, okay? But before we get to all of that, we're going to not do something that is arguably, for some of you, the most popular thing we do on this show, and that's Aaron's montage. Because Aaron and I had a conversation this morning and and both came to the same conclusion. We're going to show you a monologue from last night on another program that we think absolutely every American, every American needs to see. And we think frankly any um, any would-be american in high school so on the on the brink of of occupying assuming their citizenship should see because this matter is of grave importance we have a system in this country that we have utilized peaceably for two and a half centuries that was devised for us to, in, to have enough trust in it that we would entrust our values and our beliefs and ideals and our principles with it so that we would let the outcome of that process decide our direction as a country as a society and not let it deteriorate at a molecular a granular level so that we're not Haiti we're not Cuba people have agency people have representation even if they don't have a majority they can't win they can believe that their voice was adequately heard and that would at least cause some of the tensions to not prevail, to, to simmer down. And, and cooler heads would prevail and people would look at the overall freedom and, and prosperity that is still um, rampant in this country compared to others. <clears throat> and they would say, I'm bitterly disappointed at that loss. I fear the direction the country is going instead because it didn't see things my way. But overall, there still isn't a better place to live than this. Our election system has been that. It's been that mechanism. That's what it was intended to do. So that we wouldn't have to fight these things out with violence or at a molecular, granular level, <clears throat> city by city, state by state, state neighborhood by neighborhood, every generation or so. We would just have these arguments every two, four, or six years at the ballot box. But now as we sit here today, can we honestly say that we can trust that system? We can entrust it to provide the service on behalf of E Pluribus Unum that it was created and devised to do. On my way in this morning, I had a loved one call me asking me questions about the Electoral College, somebody I love dearly. And I was amazed at how much they did not know how it worked, where it came from, what it did. And then because of that lack of knowledge, they bought into a whole host of, frankly, um, uh, BS that I... Did my best as politely as I could to debunk in a 15 minute ride from my house to this studio here today. That's what I was doing on the way in. But how about the fact, can those of us who actually know our traditions still trust this
2: system? Do we still have agency? Watch this. It now appears there actually was meaningful voter fraud in Fulton County, Georgia, last November. That is not a conspiracy theory. It's true. From the beginning, this show has tried to be fact-based when we talk about the 2020 election results. So here's what we know tonight, factually. At least 36 batches of mail-in ballots from the November election were double counted in Fulton County. That's a total of more than 4,000 votes. Those numbers come from a group called Voter GA, which along with Bob Cheely sued to get them. The final tally from the double counts we know about amounts to more than 3,300 votes for Joe Biden and 865 votes for Donald Trump. Now, before you dismiss Bob Cheele and Voter GA as dishonest partisan actors, keep in mind that the strongly left of center Atlanta Journal Constitution appears to agree with this, at least in outline. The newspaper reviewed the available digital ballot images independently and concluded that hundreds of ballots were improperly duplicated. What does that look like, exactly? Well, here's what it looks like. At a press conference yesterday, a consultant with Voter GA called David Cross showed how we can be certain that votes in Fulton County were counted more than once. Watch.
3: What I'm going to show you here is two ballots side by side. One of them is marked for Jason Shaw, and it's got a little squiggle mark next to it. You can see it's got the identical mark on the second one. And the ballot image is stored up here on the top left so this one over here is scanner 5162 that's scanner number three fax number 235 image number 19 and that matches 234 image 59 so you have the same ballot counted twice in the images and counted in the audit how that's possible i don't know
2: How's that possible? I don't know. Every American should want to know because the answer gets to the heart of the integrity of our elections, otherwise known as our democracy. We're not talking about a couple of ballots here. We're talking about a lot of ballots, at least hundreds of ballots involved, enough potentially to affect the outcome of the election. Here's another example.
3: Here's one next one. All right, so same facts, number 234, image number two, and 235, image number 61, Republican, 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 all the way down to the point where this little spot up in Fannie Willis matches this one over here. It's no question that that ballot was counted twice.
2: So what's the explanation for this? Well, if you ask Fulton County, these discrepancies, the ones you just saw on the screen, were isolated incidents. Just a handful of bad ballots happens all the time. The county claims that any errors were caught in previous recounts. The problem is that neither one of those claims is true. Surveillance footage obtained by voter GA appears to show large numbers of ballots being scanned multiple times. Pay attention in the tape we're showing you to the woman wearing yellow at the desk. According to voter GA, she slides ballots into a scanning machine, removes the ballots, and then reinserts the same ballots. This happens multiple times. The question is, how many times were those ballots counted? Was each vote counted more than once? Fulton County won't answer that question. Now, one way to know the answer would be to check what are called audit tally sheets. Tellingly, for months after the presidential election, Fulton County failed to provide more than 100,000 of those tally sheets, including 50,000 of them for mail-in ballots. When voter GA finally forced Fulton County to turn over the tally sheets, the conclusion was stunning. Here's what the audit found, quote, seven falsified audit tally sheets containing fabricated vote totals. For example, a batch containing 59 actual ballot images for Joe Biden and 42 for Donald Trump was reported as 100 for Biden and zero for Trump. The seven batches of ballot images with 554 votes for Joe Biden, 140 votes for Donald Trump, and 11 votes for Joe Jorgensen had tally sheets in the audit falsified TO SHOW 850 VOTES FOR BIDEN, ZERO VOTES FOR TRUMP, AND ZERO VOTES FOR Jorgensen. WAIT, DID YOU JUST FOLLOW THAT? HOW IS THAT NOT FLAT OUT CRIMINAL FRAUD? WE'D LOVE TO KNOW BECAUSE IT CERTAINLY SOUNDS LIKE FLAT OUT CRIMINAL FRAUD. WE'VE OBTAINED photographs SHOWING WHAT WENT ON DURING THE RECOUNT PROCESS FOR MAIL-IN BALLOTS IN FULTON COUNTY. THESE PICTURES WERE TAKEN BY A WHISTLEBLOWER WHO PARTICIPATED IN THE RECOUNT. SHE SAID SHE NOTICED SOMETHING ODD AS SHE DID. None of the ballots that she saw had any creases on them. You can see the stacks of unfolded ballots on your screen now. That's strange because, of course, mail-in ballots need to be bent in order to be mailed in. These ballots clearly had never been inside an envelope. And then the whistleblower noticed something else. All of the ballots, the whistleblower tells us, have been filled out by a printer, not by hand. And many of them supported the exact same candidates, Democrats, including Joe Biden. Voter GA detected a series of other apparent irregularities in the recount. The group's audit found, for example, that, quote, over 200 Fulton County mail-in ballot images contained votes that were not included in the hand-count audit results for the November election. Now, why is that? We don't know. Keep in mind, once again, the results in the state of Georgia were decided by fewer than 13,000 votes. It was a close race. Every vote mattered. And then there's this. An elections expert called Mark Davis analyzed data from the post office. He found that nearly 35,000 Georgia voters moved out of their county of residence more than a month prior to election day. They were ineligible to vote, and yet they did. They still voted in their old county. That is illegal. It's not a small thing. Violating election law is something we should care about. And by law, their votes should have been excluded from the total. But they were not excluded. Why are we okay with that? Why are we okay with any of this? Well, we're okay with it because we've been told we have to be okay with it. We're undermining democracy if we ask questions about what happened during the 2020 election. And of course, that's a perfect inversion of the truth. Without answers to legitimate questions like the ones we just posed, and those are legitimate questions, democracy dies. People begin to understand that the system they've been told is on the level is in fact rigged. And when they believe that, God knows what they do next. So let's find out what actually happened. Let's find out immediately. Let's find out without shame. It's our right to know. It's our responsibility to know.
1: So that was from last night's Tucker Carlson program. I want to collect my thoughts for a second before I respond. i uh, tell you about our friends over at Patriot Mobile, um, because nowadays we need all the help we can get. We need to support as many businesses that line up with our values as we possibly can. Patriot Mobile is one of those companies, America's only pro-America conservative mobile phone company. They donate a portion of every dollar that you invest in them uh, to invest in the causes that fight for you, not fight you. Uh, and right now they've got two great offers to choose from. You can get 50% off your first two months or $100 off a brand new phone, uh, any road you want to go down, uh, they've got an incentive for you there. And they both come, by the way, with the free, with a free Premier activation. So just go to PatriotMobile.com slash Steve. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Steve for more details. Get the same nationwide coverage and towers as the major providers out there at PatriotMobile.com slash Steve or 972-PATRIOT. That's nine. 9- 7-2 Patriot, and don't forget uh, veterans and first responders, you save even more. After I watched that uh, video this morning, I I sent a, no, I, I sent a, a link to it and a, uh, a personal note to my kids in our group text. And I'll leave the specific content contents of that text, obviously, between us as a family. But I, I told them... In general, that for much of their lives, their mother and I have have really strived to not force them to be exposed to what their dad does or has to do to do this. That we wanted to maintain their innocence as long as we could. We wanted them to enjoy their childhood. I moved a lot as a kid, 11 times, and, you know, grew up at times in a problematic environment, as I've described in the past. My wife was an army brat. She wasn't even born in the country. She was born in Nuremberg, West Germany, while her father was serving there during the Cold War. Just, just a lot of upheaval in both of our lives we never really got to settle in with friends and neighborhoods and things of that nature and we wanted that stability for them but i always knew there would come a time when when they needed to be prepared for what awaited them and the note that i sent them this morning cuz i have shared with them of course a lot of the work we've done on covid in the past year cuz that also impacted their own lives but If we are now going to openly just acknowledge, and I, and, and I don't know how what else to say. I, I don't know how else to receive this information than to acknowledge what I am about to say. They stole the last election. And as things stand right now, we cannot trust the election process. And it has nothing to do, not saying it doesn't, but my contention has nothing to do with a global company's particular machine apparatus. No, the machine I'm talking about is the Democrat machine, which is what I've been talking about since the morning after the election. The ability to control what a vote is, who gets where the votes go, when the votes come in, who gets to count the votes, what a vote even is who a voter even is, and you can't scrutinize that process. And if you try, you're a racist. That machine, the Democrat machine. I'll tell you guys this. I sent a note to one of my very best friends, Chip Roy, last night. And I said, hey, with this clip. And I said, hey, it, it, it doesn't matter whether you thought Trump had a great strategy last year, whether you thought he did Mike Pence dirty. None of that matters right now. This Democrat machine must be broken once and for all, period. Or the whole country's going to dissolve. Because this is about the last thing keeping us from dissolving in the streets right now. Chip agreed. If, if my children are going to inherit a country where we are not f- free now to fight this out fairly at the ballot box, then sadly they're going to inherit a country where we're going to choose to fight these things out in other places if we don't fix this. And they needed to know. It's time for them now. I've held, it, I've held it back as long as I can. And now I think I'd be derelict in my duties as a dad if I didn't let them know. They need to know. And maybe it's providential that after I made that decision this morning, I get a call from a family member I adore who's much older than me. Who didn't have any clue what the Electoral College was or how it works. That was almost like confirmation. I made the right decision to do that with my kids today. I'd urge all of you to do the same. Everyone in your sphere of influence. Your high school age children that are about to inherit an American citizenship, your friends and family members. I posted this on my Facebook page this morning. One of the very first comments was people will just just won't want to believe it. Well, it's Tucker Carlson. Who cares? That's a valuable insight as well. Now you know who to stop wasting your time on. It'll be better for those people. It was better for the people of Tyre and Sidon than it will be for those people when this culture falls apart. Now, you know, if you ever wanted to know who should I waste my time on, who's not worth my time, where should I invest my time, redeem the time for the days or evil, Paul says. Posting a video like this and then watching the reactions to it will do that for you, right? Yeah. You'll find out right away. All right, that's a waste of my time. Don't, don't, no need to go tilt at that windmill. I kind of like to work smart, not hard, you. Oh, absolutely. So this is to me, this is like a threshing floor, man. Let's go ahead. Let's just put a video like this in front of everyone you know, and then you're going to know right away. Agree or disagree with your particular politics. Who actually cares about the future of the country we're raising our families in and who just cannot be bothered because they're either too dumb to deserve to be Americans or too given over. Either way, now you will know, right? Gentlemen, you have any thoughts? Well, Tucker Carlson
0: did, this is like in the dark night. I'm going to do which you all should have done a long time ago on those boats. This was our lament back when we were so frustrated with the Trump campaign and why they weren't zeroing in on this sort of thing. We've been wasting a lot of time for a very long time. And now it's abundantly clear that at some point here, Between now and the next election, more people than not are going to know exactly what Steve said, that this election was stolen. And that's why you're going to know on a far grander scale than just showing people this video, who's serious about what. Uh, Because you're going to find out a lot of people like Jake Tapper, who have been talking about the big lie, that they knew there was an actual big lie all along, but was the exact Inverse of the one they've been selling, and that was just fine with them because, as Steve said, it's always been about the power. It hasn't been fun about fundamentals of democracy and freedom ever. Get that through your head once and for all. What are you prepared to do?
4: Can't remember if it was time or Newsweek one of those one of those outlets, I believe it was in February of this year, basically writing the If I did it basically Mm -hmm. explaining how that was time the the election yep you start to put the pieces together if you were planning a way to steal an election what would you do especially in a society that up until this point has been free and and had enjoyed freedom of speech and being able to speak power to uh, or speak truth to power I should say what would you do any differently because you knew that people would start to catch on in some ways. You would hope that they would go for the fantastic conspiracy theories, but then when you're out in broad daylight counting ballots, I'm sorry, in the dark of night, counting ballots on a security camera multiple times, there would be those things as well. So if you were planning to steal an election, what would you do to try to quash that dissent? Maybe you would find a big excuse to quash that dissent. We can't talk about this because it's going to cause violence like January 6th. We can't talk about these things because we might rile people up and they might attack. What would you do any differently? I ask you that. Now, I'm not again alleging some grand conspiracy or cabal of people. I I think we confuse too often grand cabals and grand conspiracies for the default posture of those totally given over to the spirit of the age. But again, I ask, what would you do differently if you were going to steal an election
1: and make sure nobody questioned it?
4: And that leads in pretty well to what we'll talk about next.
1: Well said, both of you. One last thing I'd urge you to do is to pray for Tucker Carlson, man and then I'd also urge you to pray that other people that have platforms of that level of magnitude would be would be as bold. Julie Kelly from American Greatness will join us next. After that, man, and knowing what's coming up next, I had to take a Bill Bar break in between. All right, just to calm my nerves. All right, Bill Bar now the, uh, by the way, official sponsor of the Olympic U.S. Track and Field team. So who knows? Maybe uh, in the the next Olympics, uh, Miss Ainsley Irmslen may have an opportunity to take advantage of a future Bill Bar Olympic sponsorship. Call me. I mean, dude, you guys are getting offered full rides from major schools and everything else. That ain't outside the realm of possibility. You know that, right? Sure. I get it, though. Same thing like when I signed the book deal for my movie five years ago, but I knew we weren't going to go immediately in production. I just don't want to let my mind go there. I don't. Just in case, you know? but it was still it was always on the back burner right i yeah. get it okay uh, and right now if whether it's one of the limited time flavors like grasshopper cookie that's one of the that's the one i just ate absolutely delicious or it's just their everyday flavors uh, coconut coconut almond if you like mounds bars these taste just like it uh you like chocolate covered fruit cherry raspberry how about chocolate mint mint brownie how about chocolate and peanut butter if you're a reese's fan uh, whatever the case may be they've got it all and they're all covered in real chocolate they're all delicious and and also nutritious you'll never make the choice between taste and nutrition again if you've got a sweet tooth like me this is like a godsend, this product is. Give it a shot right now. Best protein bar you have ever had, most nutritious candy bar you've ever tried. They don't necessarily call it that, but it it it's it rivals candy bars. That's how good they are. Uh, the promo code DACE will give you 15% off right now, D-E-A-C-E. Promo code DACE gives you 15% off when you go to built.com, B-U-I-L-T for built.com. All right. Let's bring in our new friend, our good friend Julie Kelly from American Greatness. Good to see you again, Julie. How are you?
5: Those sound really delicious. Now I want one. I love mountains.
1: <laughs> they they are, are they are very very good, man. I I, I hate yeah. to go like all pitch man here, but I'm not just shilling. I mean, I buy this product out of my own out of my own pocket. That's how much I like it. But uh, first of all, I saw yesterday, I believe, was the fifth anniversary for your group over there at American Greatness. So congratulations on that. I'm. I'm seeing you pop up in my feed and on a lot of other different places as well. So good to see uh, you also expanding your horizons with the information you're putting out there. And of course, let's talk about the latest as it involves January 6th. At this point, you know, you and I are both Gen Xers. Do you remember the movie I'm Going to Get You, sucker? Remember that film?
5: Vaguely, Okay.
1: You remember Cherry Girl, right? He takes her back home to the hotel room for a hookup. And all of a sudden she's, going, she's like, I got to come clean, man. These aren't, this isn't my real hair. These aren't my real lips. <laughs> the, these aren't my real breast." At, at some point she's like, there's nothing left. The whole thing is fake, right? right? Are we at that point now with the January 6th narrative? Is any of it real? Any of it? Other any than the doesn't... murder of Ashley Babbitt, I should say. Other than she getting right. shot to death. Did any Is anything else in that narrative true?
5: I mean, it certainly continues to crumble, the original narrative that we were told on that day, the selective optics that were sort of orchestrated. Um, But I think as time passes by, it's obvious that this was not just an organic protest that was incited by Donald Trump, by Trump maniacs who were in the nation's capital that day. So much of what we were told, we already know from it being an armed insurrection, uh, five people died. Officer Sicknick was uh, bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher. All the things that we were told we know are lies. And, you know, Steve, when you read the comments from Mark Milley that uh, apparently are in his book and excerpted by Washington Post, knowing that people at the highest level of government, the most powerful government officials were working And who's Mark to, Milley?
1: To let our audience know who he is.
5: He is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff.
1: Is that a powerful position?
5: I would think yeah, so. Yeah, a little
1: bit. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, sort go ahead. Of. Sure.
5: What do you have, a few million troops you uh, your <laughs> right. back in call? Yeah. Um. But the one person whose orders he routinely did not follow and he acted to sabotage was the commander in chief, who is his only boss. And so when Mark Milley talks about comparing Donald Trump to Adolf Hitler, comparing 75 million Trump voters to Nazis, talking about uh, that Trump was going to perpetuate some kind of rash, Reichstag fire, which, as you know, Steve, is something people on the right think January 6th was. Mm-hmm. To hear these people now after the election, this includes Bill Barr too, uh, how they were trying to undermine this president, bolster a corrupted rigged election and try to silence tens of millions of Americans. It's really scary. So people who bought into this narrative early on, this insurrection, given what we now know more than six months later, people really need to reexamine uh, what they've been told.
1: Was it a false flag operation? The, the the part of this that has met, that has bothered me more than anything from the beginning, Julie, since we first started talking to you about this, and no one has done more yeoman's work on this than you have, sister. So thank you. But the the part about this that's bothered me more than anything else is that one antifa guy from Utah, and I've I've brought it up from day one. How in the world? I mean, given that sea of humanity, tens of thousands of people are there. How does one a self-avow? This is his, he's admitted he's an antifa guy. How does one Antifa guy get all the way from Utah to Washington, D.C. and just happen to be at the spot where Ashley Babbitt is shot? That's where we got the original video was from this guy. How did he just happen to be... At that prime spot. A base of people he's not aligned with. First of all, first of all, the odds of just making your way through that sea, even if you were trying to, would be low. Secondly, he's not naturally aligned with these people. So it's not as if he kind of can follow organically the flow of where the event was going to go on its own. And he just so happens to get all the way from Utah to the very spot where Ashley Babbitt is killed. And then another video that came out with somebody the night before egging people on to go up to the Capitol, he's in that video too. Standing right right. next to the guy. How is this possible? This must be the luckiest damned grassroots journalist of all time, Julie.
5: Right. So you're referring to John Sullivan. Um, And so he's been arrested. Um, Some charges levied against him. I think that they took the $90,000 or so that he earned uh, selling his video to various outlets, I believe CNN. Um, But look, there are a lot of unanswered questions why were dc metro police and u.s capitol police why were u.s capitol police um clad in riot gear including gas masks batons um they had their boots on i mean they showed up there ready for battle the idea that these were kind of these keystone cops who just are used to letting grandmas do their that, that's not what happened that day they showed up in riot gear who authorized dc metro police to throw flash bangs with rubber pellets into the crowd outside of the Capitol around one o'clock that day, provoking legitimately peaceful protesters who were out there singing and had their American flags and they had Trump flags and all of a sudden they're attacked by DC Metro police. Why won't U.S. Capitol Police release 14,000 hours of surveillance video with this is the worst attack since the Civil War, 9-11, Pearl Harbor, Oklahoma City? Um, Shouldn't the American people see most of the surveillance video Mm -hmm. what happened outside and inside the building that Mm -hmm. day? Um, Who started the lie that Brian Sicknick was killed in the line of duty? We know it was U.S. Capitol Police, who seeded the lie that he was bludgeoned to death with a fire extinguisher, um, why was Michael Sherwin? I just found this out this week. Uh, the uh, chief prosecutor for the DC U.S. Attorney's Office, who's handling all these investigations, why was he there at the rally at Trump's speech, and then later to the Capitol, dressed incognito in running clothes? Why wasn't he at his office ready to prosecute people for whatever you know crimes were being committed? And you know the reports that. Uh, There are substantial and significant reasons to suspect that there were FBI agents, not only on the ground that day, but infiltrating some of these groups, possibly provoking some of their conduct that day. This was not an organic protest incited by Donald Trump. That I can say for sure.
1: I was asked this question about COVID a lot last year when I would go on shows. So I'm going to turn the tables and do it to you now. Based on the best work you've done so far can you piece together for us what you would be comfortable don't i don't want you to project or anything at all but you would be comfortable basing the integrity of your work on piecing together for us what really happened that day
5: that's a great question i i think about it a lot um I don't want to say it was completely 100% orchestrated Mm -hmm. by the Democrats and even people in Trump's inner circle, say, like a Mark Milley. But um, I think what happened was they were planning for something that day. That's why they called off extra security. Um, And I think that they knew hundreds of thousands of Trump supporters would be there, that Trump would say what, what Trump does, what he talks, how he talks sort of inflammatory, that they would use that. Um, as a way to show what was happening. So they didn't have the security they needed. On the other hand, they had cops dressed up, ready for battle, attacking the crowd, provoking the crowd. Um, and I think creating these optics um, of Trump supporters attacking the Capitol. We also know that U.S. Capitol Police let people into the building. Why? Um, so that is something that that's provable. So I can't say for certain, Steve, and I wouldn't, and I think to your point you and I were one of the few people on the same side about COVID and the lockdowns early on last year. You don't want to say anything that sounds so conspiratorial that you do Mm -hmm. lose your credibility on what you've been reporting. Um, But I will say, I feel with confidence it wasn't an organic uprising um, and that there were a lot of nefarious players behind the scenes who were creating these optics uh, and provoking this riot and this chaos on January 6th.
1: Let's talk about those that are still detained. How many people are still detained? And in your opinion, how many of them deservedly so?
5: Well, look, I will say right away, I don't think any of these protesters, even if they are guilty for the crimes that they're accused, say assaulting a police officer or using a weapon, they don't deserve to be in pretrial detention in a special jail in Washington, D.C., living under solitary confinement conditions for months on end without even a trial date. I mean, these are things that just have not applied to other protesters. You have the same Justice Department actively, actively dropping cases against Portland rioters who did the same, if not worse, uh, to federal officers and federal property last year and earlier this year. Those cases are being dropped. Meanwhile, these people don't even have a chance to uh, make bail. And the idea, Steve, is because what happened on January 6th was so egregious, was so outside the pale, attacking our democracy, the temple of our democracy, that these people, just by their mere presence that day, pose a threat, a danger to the community. So none of them should be in jail. They should be out. A lot of them, and keep in mind, There are dozens who are in the D.C. jail. There are others who are in local jails. Others are on very strict home confinement rules. They can't leave for any other reason except maybe to go to work. A lot of them have lost their jobs, of course, to go to work or doctor's appointments. So they're prisoners in their own homes. We don't treat other political protesters or even low-level criminals this way. Um, It's a totally different set of rules for these people almost 550 Americans arrested with no end in sight.
1: Where do you think this story goes next? Because I'm guessing you've already gone several places when you just started poking around in mid-January, you had no idea you were this was ultimately going to go, right?
5: Right. No idea. Um, because what's really scary, Steve, is uh, the Biden regime and Democrats and, uh, you know, people like a Mark Milley, uh, very powerful government officials who are using January 6th as, as a pretext to portray tens of millions of Americans as domestic terrorists and use our uh, intelligence apparatus.
1: So a Reichstag fire, basically. <laughs> a I mean, means that's to it's an so end. ironic
5: about men yes. saying that, right?
1: Yes, Anyway, finish your point. Go ahead. Sorry.
5: No, these are things the Democrats, you know, this is an extension of really Crossfire Hurricane, which ironically was launched five years ago this month. The Obama people wanted to see how far they could push. The levers of power using a FISA court designed to go after foreign terrorists using, uh, you know, the FBI counterintelligence, the most powerful government weapons that we have to use against foreign terrorists to use against Americans tied to Donald Trump. They wanted to see how far they could push it. Well, we know now they pushed it to the extreme and they all got away with it. So now, because they weren't punished, because they were not held accountable, Mm -hmm. now you have Joe Biden and people like Merrick Garland. You have Obama holdovers, Lisa Monaco, uh, Avril Haines as uh, director of national intelligence. They learned at the knee of people like Barack Obama and John Brennan. They're taking that. They're applying it now, not just to Trump, his family, his cabinet, but now to millions of Americans. And they're getting away with it. You have the FBI. Conducting pre-dawn raids, bashing down the doors of people who aren't even accused of a violent crime, arresting them, hauling them off to jail, destroying their families, bankrupting them. Um, And they're going to continue this, Steve, because they want to use this investigation uh, into the midterms next year, just like they did with the Robert Mueller probe. Same idea
1: julie you've done uh absolutely outstanding work on this uh thank can't thank you enough and uh you're Thanks more than welcome you bet uh, you're welcome here anytime as you know all right take care god bless thank you you bet any thoughts over there todd and aaron
4: i'm i think transcendently and and cosmically if you will my assertion that january 6th was the spirit of the ages attempt to show the rest of the country, see, these right-wingers are no better than Antifa, no better than Black Lives Matter. That that still stands, but I don't think that's the only purpose, as I alluded to at, at the end of last segment. It serves a very important function if you're trying to shut down any dissent whatsoever about the only thing in our country, as you stated, Steve, that's keeping us from dissolving as our country. That's the function that it serves. In addition to being the spirit of the ages, uh, false flag operation of a different kind saying all those riots and looting. That's that's, you know, that's okay. But look at these right wingers. They're just as bad as you. Mm-hmm. They're no different from you. Mm-hmm. I still think it, I still think that's true, but the function practically that it serves for the spirit of the age is one of, of quashing any dissent.
0: Uh, I echo something Daniel Horowitz, our friend, pointed out uh, yesterday on Twitter that these upcoming school board elections, I mean, forget the midterms, these upcoming school board elections are one of the most important uh, election days of our entire adult lifetime. It is flag-planting time. And if these things do not just wake everybody up undeniably, and force all manner. I mean, you. Steve talked yesterday about uh, the, the, the 10 days that Democrats spent asking after 2016, what did we miss? Mm-hmm. Everybody, right, left, otherwise, should know that something unique and different and powerful happened. If it doesn't, we aren't a serious people.
1: Know that the people that are under the thumb of the spirit of the age, the spirit of the age, is those people are very serious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very serious. We'll come back. Theology Thursday to lead off. Hour two is next. Back with Hour two, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin, Aaron McIntyre, all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, steve at stevedace.com. That's how you can email the program. You can also like us on Facebook, uh, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Look for Steve Dace there. Follow me on Twitter at steve Dace show. And if you're looking for free clips of the program uh, that you can watch, and then hopefully sample and show and share to others, go to rumble.com slash show as well. That's rumble.com. Slash Steve Dace show. If you're a podcast listener, we appreciate you so very much. Uh, If you appreciate us, leave us a five-star review, Uh, hit follow or subscribe whichever the case may be on your particular podcast platform of preference, because the more of you that do that, it helps the show to grow even more. So we want to thank each and every one of the thousands of you that have done those things for us already. And if you have yet to do so, please consider doing uh, precisely that. We have an overtime coming up today. Remind me what it's about. I completely forgot. BlazeTV.com. You don't know? It was
0: Aaron's brainchild.
1: So so we've completely now passed the buck to you. We're going
4: to be applying Occam's razor to why Jeffrey Epstein, Jelaine Maxwell, et al. seem to get off the hook so often.
1: That's right. And I thought that was a great topic at the time. I just completely forgot about it with everything else going on. So You need some wine. (laughs) (laughs) If you want a lesson in Occam's razor... Good news for you. You'll be getting one if you are already a Blaze TV subscriber. We will record that for you right after today's show, and then it will be uploaded later at the mercy of the uploading gods, small g. Uh, BlazeTV.com slash Dace is where you'll be able to catch that later today. BlazeTV.com slash Dace is also where you can go if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber and you would like to become one. Uh, You'll get a discounted subscription if you go there today to sign up to catch today's overtime as well as all of the other exclusive content we offer you all the time here on Blaze TV and also to make sure you keep getting that content because you never know what will be the day that big tech will pull the plug. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. Let's get to Theology Thursday brought to you by My Patriot Supply. Are you ready for the next big crisis? Who knows what it will be? um hyperinflation maybe we're seeing that and what that could lend itself to later this year hopefully not Uh, but we're looking at a lot of 2008 level trend lines right now economically whatever happens could just heaven forbid a natural disaster whatever happens make sure that you are prepared ahead of time uh by stockpiling emergency food from our friends at my patriot supply they're the nation's original Patriot Preparedness Company with food that stays fresh for up to 25 years with proper storage so you don't have to worry about going and going hungry, standing in lines. Uh, it is a company you can trust. They've been at it for well over a decade. Over 41,000 four and five star reviews. That's a lot from from satisfied customers. And right now you can get 25% off their popular four-week emergency food kit that offers at least the 2,000 calories a day that you need. Um, Four weeks of food available to you for 25% off when you go to preparewithdace.com. Again, that's preparewithdace.com. It'll arrive discreetly at your door in just a few days. It won't arrive in a van marked conspiracy theorist or doom prepper or anything like that. If you're worried about it, it'll show up like any other delivery. Drop it off. And now you've got the peace of mind to know that you're good to go at preparewithdace, D-E-A-C-E, preparewithdace.com. Bottom of the hour, we will get into three non-political questions. So that's Aaron's final warning to make sure he's got those ready to go. Oh, crud. Uh, But before we do that, let's have some fun on Theology Thursday. And I want to reset what we talked about for briefly at the top of the program, but maybe spend a little more time on it here because this is the segment for it. And this kind of started for me back in 2019 I think it's when we did an actual Bible study for the first time on on Theology Thursday right we went through the Paul's New Testament letter to the Colossians right. okay verse by verse and we spent months you know doing that and going through that Um so I was already kind of feeling convicted that we should maybe dial it up a degree you know and and You and I had done like a year-long series in 2017 on the 500th anniversary of the Reformation from both a Catholic and Protestant perspective. And here we still sit. And here we still sit, indeed. Um, So I I think, A, we all, and when I say we all, I'm not talking the three of us. I mean like all of you that are on the other end of this conversation listening to it. Uh, I think we all, a lot of us anyway, know each other enough even if you're just new to the show, if you're one of the 200 percent people we've added just since last year, it everything we've been through between COVID stand and the election, it it seems like you know a lot more time has gone by than just that, right? Yeah. And I think that um, we can trust each other. At least I hope so. I hope I hope that when we delve into areas of of contention or tension, or disagreement even amongst us, it is strictly for the purposes of come now, let us reason together. That is it. In our, in our audience, I mean, how did I get into conservative review? I get into conservative review because I got a phone call out of the day from a guy I didn't know named Daniel Horowitz. Said, hey, we're putting a team of people together and we're looking for somebody with, you know, that knows media. And media strategy. We got, you know, we got political hacks. We've got former, you know, Capitol Hill aides. We've got uh, ideologues and and candidate recruiters. That's me, but you know, somebody with more more media savvy. And I've been looking at your work. Think it might be you. And that's how I got into Conservative Review and then CRTV, and then ultimately that evolved to what we have today when those when that and the Blaze merged to create Blaze Media, right? And Daniel is one of the best friends I have in this business. He also doesn't believe Yeshua is Messiah. I don't believe there's any other way to ultimately satisfy God's wrath other than accepting the atonement Yeshua made on the cross. That's a pretty stark disagreement, right? Yeah. Yeah. And yet, we're also very, very good friends. We have people in our audience So we have people in our audience that don't believe Jesus is Messiah. We have people in our audience that think Jesus is the only Messiah. We have people in our audience that think Joseph Smith was a prophet. We have people in our audience that don't. We have people in our audience who venerate uh, the Pope and Mary. We have people in our audience that don't. I submit all of my written work to this guy to my right. And... He has, a, he has a level of veneration for church figures I don't share. And boy, howdy. No, no religious conflict in all of the history of Western civilization has spilled more blood than the Catholic and Protestant one has, right? right. So, the, it, to me, it's, it's very commiserate with what you saw amongst the Founding Fathers. That given the days in which they lived and how homogenous a lot of moral and theistic viewpoints were within that period of time. I mean, keep in mind, these were, frankly, just, you know, a lot of English transported second or third generation Englishmen, right? Mm-hmm. But even within that homogeny, there was a, a lot of, there actually was quite a bit of diversity of thought. I mean, Thomas Paine didn't have anywhere near the religious Convictions of a John Adams, let alone like a Patrick Henry or a Benjamin Rush type. No way.
0: Even before them, I mean, you want to put John Winthrop and Roger Williams in the same it, room and there see you how
1: go. that goes? Wait, but you're going to let every. every those Baptists or Congregationalists are heathens. They might as well be Catholics. You're going to let them come to Rhode Island too? You haven't even mentioned Anne Hutchinson yet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, there was a lot of disparate opinion, even amongst them. and And yet, ultimately, the acknowledgement of that preamble, the laws of nature and nature's God, that there, there is some higher order at work here in the cosmos and it, within this thing we call humanity that binds us together and that we can, because we're made in its image and forged and fashioned by its impulses, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can agree where we agree and we cannot where we don't. And we can understand that there will come points in time that the disagreement will be a bridge too far for one of us and we won't be able to go there. But we will respect it enough because of the other areas we agree that it won't create something personal or um, a falling out or anything of that nature. And I think that's one of the great miracles of the founding of this country. And I, I love having these conversations. I, I actually love talking with people that don't agree with me. I really enjoy it. The problem we have in our culture nowadays is there's so much narrative and so little truth-seeking that it's hard to have those conversations because there's a, there's a notion that you have an angle where I have an angle that we're not really just having a conversation we're not really just hey, let's see where the truth goes and where it leads but I, but but it's but there, there this is this can't be altruistic there's a there's a motive here I'm trying to mold you into being like me now obviously i i I think what I believe is correct, otherwise what would be the point in believing it right of course, of course, but I'm also not threatened by the possibility that i'm i I might every now and then. I might be wrong. There, there might be viewpoints out there that I had not considered, because ultimately, I just, I just want to know what, what's true. I grew up a lot without knowing the truth about things. Who was my biological dad? Why do we move all the time? How come some days I, my dad is a model dad, and then the next day is just a villain? What what's the truth? I just I just want to know the truth that I, I, I just give me the truth. That's really my agenda. These guys work with me every day. Are there things I share with them I don't share with you on the air? Of course there is. Am I pious? Am I altruistic? Would that be true? No, that would not be true. Correct. I'm I'm, not, I'm neither of those things. I'm still a guy. But is it true that I just really my number one driving force in and above everything else is I really do just want to know what the truth is? Yes. That's that's really my driving impulse whether it's
4: Michigan football or theological matters of the utmost <laughs> importance.
1: That's that's exactly right. I really just I I'm frustrated when I when when I feel like the truth is hidden from me. I crave it. And so I think Given the rapport we've all established and and then furthermore, the urgency of the times. I, I made the decision a few weeks ago that we needed to maybe go ahead and start entertaining some conversations I've been hesitant about going to in the past just because they can get people really worked up and create a lot of collateral damage. But I think we've built enough of a bond now we can have some of these conversations. So, Theology Thursday the last few weeks couple of things that have come up that were like no-go zones like ever. Like I wouldn't even talk about these things with you guys like privately off the air, okay? Uh, issues involving eschatology, issues involving the nature of God's sovereignty and election and predestination and things of that nature. We've gotten into some of those things recently, right? Yeah. All right. We're going to get into another one of those topics today. I don't think it's as hot of an issue as those others. It's just the kind of thing we in the past we probably thought maybe this isn't the right forum or place to discuss it but the more and more we go down this road i think the more and more that it becomes apparent that a theistic belief system reinstalling that in our society is really the only shot this thing has period that whole laws of nature and nature's god thing i think it's even it's it's very productive to have these conversations now and let's hey what's everybody think hey i i because here's the thing, we all have these questions, we just have been concerned about insulting people by asking them, or would I break a fellowship or a relationship by asking them? That's why I started with, I think we've we've got a, a strong enough bond here now between us and all of you, that this should be, pardon, Upon pun, a safe space <laughs> to ask some of these questions that I think a lot of people have. Fair? Yeah. Okay. I mean, if we can't have these conversations with each other, then... Where in the Sam Hill in America right now. Then could you have these kinds of conversations, right? And so I was actually honored when I got an email like this. And it's not just because it begins with an overwhelming compliment, but that helps. Okay. Um, this is from Yisroel. I think it's how it's pronounced. is how it's pronounced. Okay. And if I butchered that, brother, I am terribly sorry. Call me Deese forever. I deserve it. Okay. Uh, I, don't wanna, I don't want us to get to your head or anything, but just letting you know, since I found you guys on the blaze. You've been my replacement for Rush. Well, I mean that. That's it. That's all. That's all we're sharing for Theology Thursday. We're done. You guys want to fill the next fifteen? No, I mean
0: I'm, this was a pretty short email, but that's the way to start if you want him to keep reading. <laughs> that's exactly for a right. Very That'll work. Long
1: time. That'll work. Yeah, you got me to the end, brother. Well done. All right. Uh, maybe my wife needs to try that with me. <laughs> Man, I think the lawn really needs before. I think the lawn really needs mo. You know what? People at work are telling me you're the new rush, and I think you need to mow the lawn. You don't say, man. Let's gas that puppy up. (laughs) But uh, he writes, as a practicing Orthodox Jew, I was always curious why Deuteronomy 13, verses 1 through 4, does not apply to Jesus. From my view, if you believe in the Old Testament, in the first verse of the chapter— It tells you not to add or subtract anything from the Old Testament, including if someone comes in and shows miracles and tells you to follow other practices, which would be adding or subtracting from the Old Testament commandments, and that would be what we call idol worship. By the way, Christians also believe that adding or detracting from the Ten Commandments would be idol worship as well. Christians agree with that too. He says, I'm not a rabbi. Good, because I'm not a pastor or a priest uh, or a theologian. Good. I'm not one of those either. I'm a talk show host. Uh, I'm just curious from the average Christian standpoint how you would answer this. I'd love to hear your explanation in writing sometime or on the show. You guys, your guys' show is amazing. Say hi to Todd and Aaron as well. This is a great question, and I think the kind of dialogue that frankly needs to go on much more. Okay. Let's begin though. Let's actually go to the verses that um, I'm going to call you Yiz. That's easier for me. And it's, and I like I, it. I think it's a really cool nickname. We're Yiz, buddies, not y- we're y- pals. Yiz was either like, you know, the guy that either all the bad stuff he did as a teenager, he showed it to you first, or he was the guy that stopped you from doing that stuff, one or the other, right? Okay. So, Yiz, um, at Yiz's advice, let's go to Deuteronomy 13. All right, I'm looking at the ESV so you guys know which version of the scriptures I'm looking at. The the reason I like the ESV is because it is a word-for-word translation of the original text like the King James is, but it's it's a word-for-word translation in more contemporary form of English, okay? The NIV was kind of like the first popular contemporary English Bible in the 70s, but that's what we call a thought for thought translation, meaning that a team of revered theologians have translated what, what they as a what they believe as a team is orthodoxy into into the into a contemporary language and
0: when that works it works and when it doesn't Doesn't, it it doesn't bad
1: and here's what happens then then when 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 pharaohs that know not joseph now become Uh your team of of theologians you end up getting rid of gendered language and stuff like they've done with some nivs in recent years right okay so i like the esv because it gives me the best of both worlds i'm an ugly american so i need i need i need a mayor i need a i need a you know common language english because i'm an ugly american and i but i want the goods i want like the word for word and the esv does that so here's what the esv says in verses one through four of deuteronomy if a prophet or a dreamer of dreams Arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or wonder that he tells you comes to pass. And if he says, Let us go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him and keep his commandments and obey his voice. And you shall serve him and hold fast to him. So the first thing is, is your question. All right. I mean, we both, you're, you're saying up front, Hey, I'm asking this from like a layman paraphrase, but doesn't, don't those verses say not to follow to somebody who would add or follow after somebody who would claim miracles as evidence for adding or subtracting from the law, from the word of God. Do those verses say that pretty clearly? actually Mm -hmm. okay pretty clearly so your question is is from the right premise but then we have to ask about your application does jesus apply here so let me give you what the what a what i believe under my best understanding would be a a christian orthodoxy response to your challenge Um, and the the answer would be from jesus's own words do not think I came to abolish the law. I did not come to abolish the law. He says not one letter of that law will ever fade away. He says I came to fulfill the law. In the in the in the book of John when in the gospel of John in the New Testament Jesus is answering, because this is, as I pointed out on the show before, this is an explicitly Jewish question for the first several years of Christianity. It's explicitly, not just explicitly, exclusively Jewish question. Is this Yeshua, the Messiah, or not? Romans don't care. Greeks don't know. This is just a strictly Jewish debate that is happening. And so he's got Jewish disciples. He's got members of the Jewish council, like Nicodemus and... Uh, Joseph of Arimathea, who support him. He's got a lot of others, though, that do not, that doubt him. And so they're having these debates and conversations like this one, this kind of question you're asking me, they're discussing this kind of stuff all the time. And one of the things that, that he says in the Gospel of John is Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says those words. If you look at the translation of those words, he is applying them. We apply them as I am the way, the truth, and the life. But to an explicitly Jewish audience, he is, he, those words actually translate in a way that's far more personal to them. He's telling them, I'm your way. I'm the way. I'm your way. I'm the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, of the Psalms, which you've been waiting for is me. And I'm not here to cancel any of those things out. I'm here to fulfill them. His last words at the cross are, it is finished. But I would argue a more precise interpretation is, it is accomplished. What is accomplished? That the wrath of God, as revealed through his word, his law, has been satisfied. By the sacri- via the sac, through the sacrifice of his son that's what it means satisfied does it say canceled no does it say uh um erased no does it say taken away no no satisfied meaning god has provided a path as he did through the sacrificial system A path for you to experience redemption for your sins this side of heaven. But there was still a barrier between us and heaven, which was symbolized by the veil that covered the Holy of Holies that only one priest per year was permitted to to penetrate. Because of how holy and sanctified that place was that was kind of considered to be the literal resting place of the Spirit of God within his temple. And that was a reminder of the separation, as Isaiah says, the the menstrual rags that our best efforts at living up to God's standard amount to compared to God's righteousness and holiness. We just can't hold his jockstrap, as the great prophet Larry Holmes once put it. So God's wrath remains. It exists. His law is still in effect. Nothing's been canceled. Nothing's been added. Nothing's been taken away. In fact, the first debate that was had within the Christian church amongst the the Jewish leaders of the church, they held a council in Jerusalem about this very question, because now they're taking the gospel to Gentiles, to uncircumcised people. And so how much do they have to still abide by Jewish custom and tradition? They had this very argument Because they all carried these customs and legacies with them into now a messianic understanding. So just as the sacrificial system was there to provide relief for judgment in the now. Jesus is the sacrifice that provides relief for the judgment we deserve in the here the now and the world to come forever and ever world without end amen that's that that is christians would argue that sacrificial system was to point the way ultimately to the sacrifice that the messiah would make on behalf of us to satisfy the wrath of god so the Christian ultimately is the, the Christian answer to your challenge is that Jesus did not add anything, didn't subtract anything. In fact, if you go through the old if you go through the New Testament during the Gospels, you see Jesus even do things so that, quote, all righteousness will be fulfilled. Meaning he's he is he is attempting to make sure we're checking boxes mm-hmm. to make sure that he is not taking away or adding anything away. But that ultimately, it was pointing the way to how we would have our sins and the judgment and wrath of God we deserve satisfied once and for all. And that's how God's wrath was satisfied, the sacrifice of his Son, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he did that not to take anything away from anything Moses wrote or any of the prophets, or anything David wrote in the Psalms. But he did that in order to fulfill them all. That is a great question, Yez. We've got a couple of minutes. You guys want to chime in on that answer at all?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. When you say does it why doesn't this apply to Jesus? Uh not only does it, but it nobody thinks it applies to uh Jesus more than Jesus himself. This is what Steve's talking about, checking boxes. Jesus goes out of his way so much that a different kind of c- confusion, I yeah. know entered in my mind as a young reader uh, of the New Testament, when he he's p- the great commission a- a- at the end, he's disciples go forth, tell, talk about things. Yet w- after miracles, how many times does he tell, don't go tell anybody, go and do with the law and the prophets. Yes. It's because of this. Yes, We're not supposed to be going out and shouting about this. We are supposed to be honoring the God of the Old Testament because he is the God of the Old Testament. I mean, I, I, that answer, your question is so beloved yes. by the Lord that he made sure that these miracles should not be told about because Jesus knew they would be confusing in the way you're asking about. It. Mm-hmm. It's a brilliant question. Mm-hmm.
4: That's kind of where I was going, because in the, in the Christian uh, theology, um, who wrote that passage from Deuteronomy? Who, who wrote that? Now, a human author did, but it was God speaking through the human author. And who also is God? That would be Jesus, the per- same person who you were asking about under the Christian theology. And I recognize you're coming from the Jewish, from the Jewish uh, uh, tradition and Jewish theology. Uh, it's the same person. And so the question—it's a great question—and um, and where you went, Steve, was was right on the money. Uh, not to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. Can we look back, as Todd was just saying as well? Can we look back at Christ's ministry and the records that we have? Did he fulfill the law and the pro- prophets? And that's the judgment that each one of us has has to make. That's that's the judgment that we have to make. Is he credible in his in his claims and? every single every single um testimony that we have of that indicates in my mind the answer to that question is yes
1: that was good it was really good yeah you guys had good follow ups too really appreciate that but those were that 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 is a great question because i one of the things that he, he also got challenged Jesus the other way too well are, if you really were a messiah would you really have to go out of your way to check all these boxes mm-hmm. at the same time. So are, we, are you fulfilling prophecy or is it a self-fulfilling prophecy, sure. right? So he faced challenges from both directions. That's why ultimately all of this comes down to one singular question. Did he walk out of the tomb yep. or not? That's what it really ultimately comes down to. If he did, then the conversation we had is very meaningful. If he did not, then maybe it was interesting, but that's all that it was. There wasn't much meaning to it at all, all right? Three non-political questions are next. So let's just say... Unfortunately, I might be on to something. We're seeing some very 2008 inflationary trend lines. Of course, we had a massive lending world financial sector meltdown at the end of the year as a result of that, right? Now, therefore, you know, we ended up actually moving into the house we live in now two years earlier than we planned. Um, We, you know, you're supposed to spend like at least five years in your first home, right? We only spent three Because I was reading some stuff that this thing was going to blow up, and I'm like, we got to move now. Otherwise, we might be stuck here. Who knows what the lending world is going to look like if that happens. And we ended up, unfortunately, that move ended up being correct. We got in our house about a year earlier, and then the next year after we moved in, meltdown, okay? If I'm right about that, now would be a good time. Take advantage of an aggressive pricing market, particularly if you're on the selling end. Um and then you're on the buying end and you want to get into that next home, you might want to do it now before who knows how they will respond if we have another 2008 kind of a meltdown. Uh, But make sure you go in, though, during such unprecedented times. Bing. Thank you. Uh, With a real estate agent that you can trust, and the name kind of says it all on where you would find said person. Uh, Realestateagentsitrust.com. Realestateagentsitrust.com. And chances are... We won't just find you an agent, but a fellow Blaze listener or viewer, because that's kind of how this effort began, was connecting people that are trustworthy, verified successes in real estate with people that are looking for such an agent. Uh, And it just kind of blew up and mushroomed from there. So check out the website. Probably can help you. Almost just about anywhere you want to go. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com. Let's get to three non-political questions
4: Yes, we need a little break, a little levity from the decline and fall of Western civilization. Uh, Three non-political questions that I definitely thought of before the show. And sent to myself via my Gmail account, which is not pulling up right now. (laughs) Which is absolutely (laughs) awesome. I do remember a joke, though. I'll tell that while I find this. Do you want to hear a joke? Is it good? Yeah. Sure. Uh, Why were all the people at the Asylum's favorite band, the Almond Brothers?
1: Wow. I have no idea. Because they
4: were all nuts. (laughs) Question number one. If you had in your possession the completed Infinity Gauntlet, what would be the first thing you'd do?
1: (sighs) Go to the end of time. I know I should give an answer like smash it. No human deserves that kind of power and authority. Um, the, but we all think we're Aragon, Aragorn. We're all really Denethor. Okay. And Aragorn knows this. That's why he doesn't want any part of it. Because he knows that the only difference between him and Denethor is getting his hands on that thing. That's the only difference. <laughs> all right. So if you're going to give it to me, I'd love to tell you, man, I'd just smash it, uh, you know. Um, but, uh, the first word of total depravity is what total total, uh, would that include me in the total? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now that, well, that's kind of what total means Then I'm included. Yes. Yeah. I'm lumped in there. Yeah. So I wish I could tell you, man, I'd be like, no human should have such power. I'm crushing it. I'm smashing it. I'm throwing it into the fire, but I'd be like, but first I'm going to go check out what the end of time looks like. And, uh, because I, I, that's what I would be curious about.
0: We haven't done this in a while. Get rid of instant
1: replay. <laughs> Get this deeply philosophical calculus mm-hmm. and you just respond with instant replay's got to oh, go.
0: Trust me. That would set a tone, man. Instant replay. That is, would set yeah. a tone. I like
4: instant <laughs> replay. I just replay review. That's that's the crux here. Uh, I, I'm i surprised Todd didn't say this, um, although his answer is not that surprising. I would go back and get almost anybody other than Kathleen Kennedy uh, to do the Star Wars. Mm, nice. Go back in time to, time to do that. So.
1: But think about, wouldn't that be like the ultimate time machine? To go back and, and just go through history and be at events? Because you know, like a lot of the events you want to be at, there's like no running water, no plumbing, right? So you don't want to like have to like live in those events. You just kind of pop in, pop out. You know what I'm saying?
4: You just bring yeah. the TARDIS with us, basically. Yeah,
1: you're just there, and then you're out whenever you want to get out. Yeah, you can, you, I mean, you can you can step in, watch Luther nail 95 theses to the Wittenberg door for like 10 minutes, and you're right back in your flat, man, eating your Taco Bell. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. Maybe I, I'm I'm totally talking uh, myself into Denethor in this thing. I like how you thought you were being deep about this at the beginning. <laughs> now we're talking about
0: plumbing. <laughs>
4: Number two, if you were coaching a major college football team specifically, what would be your strategy to deal with this new name, image, and likeness era?
1: I would um, get uh, – let me just do what I'd do if I was Michigan, the team, my favorite team. I've got the largest living alumni base in the world. I have more billionaires associated with me than just about any public university in the world. Um. I am going to amass all of those resources. We are going to create a promotional company amongst these boosters marketed directly to our fans. And other people can buy the products and everything too if they want, but we're going to primarily do this in-house within our own fans because that's a large enough fan base in and of itself. And all we're and 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 the company we're going to create is a um, is a promotional company, a version of like a like a cameo or those kinds of things, where athletes are promoting themselves, and this is just simply a promotional company, and the boosters are putting up the money uh, within this company to pay the athletes within our program to be the pitchmen, and so you're pitching the product, and then we're paying you more money than you'd make under the table at the SEC. Uh, in order to do this instead, that's what we would do. We would create essentially a dummy a, a, a dummy corporation, but it's a, it's a real one. it's a, and it's it's, it's clearinghouse. It's just a clearinghouse place to funnel the money through and the and that this is the service, and you're all pitchmen, you're all endorsers, and you're all getting a quarter of a million or three to four, five hundred thousand a year, every last one of you, at least on the football team uh, and uh, or the basketball team. And that's what you get if you come and play at Michigan. That's the, That's that's. that. It starts at 250, and you might have more value if you're the starting quarterback or a Heisman Trophy caliber running back or Hunter Dickinson, who's a returning basketball All-American. But I'd be pooling those resources into a specific corporate environment because the NIL has no rules other than they have to be providing a service, mm-hmm. right? So here's the service. You're all pitchmen. We handle all the accounting, all the legalities, everything, because you're doing it through our company, run by our boosters, okay? And... And they're going to make sure you're paid at the top of whatever the market is. You're going to set the market every single year. That's what I do.
0: Uh, Listen. And then I
1: might beat Ohio State more than once in 15 years. yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
0: I would say the thing that in my years, and I'm talking going back 25 years when I was coaching high school kids, I would say this. And you're going to say, no, you wouldn't say that. I promise you. I would say this. I'd sleep well at night. This is exactly what I would do. I'd say. Gentlemen, uh, you have a nice opportunity here than nobody ever had before uh, to uh, make a little money representing uh, good uh, businesses, good people in your community. More power to you. You go right ahead. But don't you ever forget that you have these blessings of liberty because you are on this team at this school. This was not slavery beforehand. And anybody who telling you different... Like the former guy from Duke, whose name I Jay Billis, is lying to you. You were blessed before. You're even more blessed now. If you ever forget in engaging in this business that you are not blessed to have these opportunities because you're on this team, I will go out of my way to make sure that these blessings that you've added into your life are not possible because you will be sitting on this bench and it'll be publicly known because you made yourself better set apart above this team. That will be never be true as long as you're part of this program. Don't test me on this. Don't play with me on this. I promise you at the end of the day, I will enforce this rule with extreme prejudice you're either on this team or you aren't that didn't change because of this new uh name image,
1: and likeness i, I yeah. love that approach in yeah. fact i'd make that part of what i just said hey you're going to honor this in exchange for getting a chance to participate in this system this this uh, completely legal and now NCA compliant money laundering scheme that we created for you yeah i like it
4: i like both of your answers excuse me <clears throat> i like both of your answers I think what a lot of people forget about, and it is there are going to be elements, um, and I'm I'm putting it mildly here, of the the Wild West with um, the transfer portal as well as native image and likeness. But here's what a lot of people forget, I think. Where does the power to set a player's actual value, not artificial value, a million dollars for a handshake from a booster? No, who has still the ultimate power of setting a player's uh, actual value to a team? And thus to whatever market they're in, it's still the guy who puts them on the field to Mm -hmm. play the game. That Mm -hmm. would be me, the coach. Mm -hmm. And so I would remind them of that. You know, if this becomes any sort of a distraction, any sort of a distraction to you or our team, then sorry, man, Uh, that's going to hurt your playing time and then your future value as well. So act like adults, you are all adults, you're going to have to pay taxes on all of these endorsement deals like adults, okay. so act like it. So that's, yeah. that's: This
0: time sitting on the bench brought to you by absolutely nobody.
4: Yeah. <laughs> love it. Uh, number three, I want us to be a little bit creative here. What are the most effective ways, when necessary and needed, to mock atheism?:
1: I think the most effective mockery of atheism I have ever heard is, and I've mentioned this on the show over the, over the years several times, to what Ben Stein does to Richard Dawkins, considered the number one atheist badass of the age. And Ben Stein just walks in all five foot eight with his glasses and just breaks him down and expelled in real time. You watch him just break him down by doing nothing. Other than repeatedly asking the question, why, why, over and over and over and over again, and he finally breaks Dawkins down, the terror of 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 Western atheism uh, and and materialism. He finally breaks him down to the point that what is it he says that uh aliens came yeah. from crystals or uh, you know so there is a yeah. god after all yeah yeah that someone is Yeah, someone's the engineer he they're the engineers they're not the god okay but um uh, to me i i just think just it's the it's a it's the most pestering question from your children when they're little why 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 i i would just keep asking why why yeah
0: the uh i think using these people often are the same people who will say, "I they they follow the website." I bleeping love science, so if you can use uh, mathematics on them, uh, a great book by um, what's it, Gerard Schroeder, uh, the the science of God, just it it just does the probabilities, it, it crunches the numbers, it it's like the the their notions of uh evolution leading to what we have now are so mathematically uh improbable that to not even like beg the question to not even park yourself at um uh um not atheism but um forgive me the ambiguous um word is escaping me where you're uh agnostic agnostic thank you uh where you're agnostic i know how did i forget that uh (laughs) But uh, the, the, just the, the simple demands of atheism are often so emotionally laden. I, they have st- nothing to do with math.
1: I'm sorry. I have to read this. Okay. I'm, forgive me. I wanted to let no, you, you finish. Okay. I wondered what your last. Yeah. Then so I, it that, wasn't and, and, me. I'm fine. And, and, <laughs> then anything, I've got, yes. and then I've got one more library to do, but I have to do this. Okay. Nobody has ever heard of some of these people that worked for me in D.C. All of a sudden, the fake news starts calling them. Some of them by no means. All. Feel emboldened, brave, and for the first time in their lives, they feel like they're something special. Not the losers that they are. And they talk, talk, talk. Many say I am the greatest star maker of all time, but some of the stars I produced are actually made of garbage. (laughs) Is that Trump? That is a statement that Trump just put out. (laughs) I'm sorry. Some of the stars
0: are made of garbage. I was like, why that are you laughing is so his... hard? And Michael
1: Knowles just retweeted it with the caption, remember remember what they took from us.
0: <laughs> that's his presidential tombstone right there. The stars are made of garbage.
4: <laughs> There's that super weird teenage drama, The Fault in Our Stars. Yes. There's going to be one, the stars are garbage.
1: Uh, you know, we've been... <laughs> Gosh, that's crazy. We've, we've been talking about Rough Greens for quite a while now. It is the uh, the powder, the supplement powder that you mix in with your pet's food that takes all the vitamins, minerals, and pre- and probiotics that have likely been stripped out of it once it left the factory so it can last on the shelves of your favorite store for so long. Same thing they do with the human food. That's why we use so many supplements nowadays. Uh, and this is the supplement for your pet. You take the Rough Greens powder, mix it in with their food, and all the good stuff that they're missing is now back in. But you may be wondering, how do I know for sure that my pet will take to it, that my dog will like it? Well, there's one way to find out. How about we just give you that first 14-day jumpstart bag for free? Now, you pony up for the shipping, that's going to be like a couple bucks. But we'll give you the bag for nothing uh, at RoughGreens.com. R-U-F-F, RoughGreens.com. See if you don't see a difference in your dog in two weeks or less, if your dog doesn't like it or not. And then all you did was you spent a couple bucks for shipping, but you're not out any more than that. RoughGreens.com is where you can go, R-U-F-F, or call them at 833-ROUGH-DOG. Again, that's 833-ROUGH-DOG. All right, Aaron, did you have an answer to your last question?
4: Yeah, I mean, this one, I, I like your answers as well. The infinite regression to, uh, essentially, where did all the stuff for the Big Bang come from? That's, that's essentially, the, you know, using their own terms. One that cuts deep, though, one that you can use to mock um, your life is meaningless, essentially. W- what a dour, a dour uh, worldview that is. Do you have no meaning? Well, I assign my own meaning. Uh, how do you know, though? What is it? What does it accomplish? We're just all a bunch of molecules loosely assembled floating on the third rock from the sun. What is your life's meaning? And how can you even define whether or not that's good? You can't say whether or not something's good or not. Something like that, I think, is an effective way. It's a really uh, uh, a cutting deep way, but I think
1: it's a good way. Good stuff even though you guys are total garbage. We're going to stick around and do the overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. Uh, for the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern after Glenn Beck here, John 317. This is Steve Days.
5: On the Blaze Radio Network.